Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bad on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way. Pat, the designer, Courtney Cronin in the building. We still, I'm still on yesterday's topics. I'm not going to lie because now we actually get somebody who gets to be a part of some of the smoke screen that I think is thrown out there. It has to sift through all of the smoke and find out what's real. Want to get Courtney's thoughts on the Big Z uh, report yesterday that uh, the Justin Fields era is done. Rappaport talking over the weekend saying it would take crazy compensation. The Pittsburgh deal and she got the cover, Daniil Hunter. Might as well ask about Daniil Hunter. All that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Leave the five-star review. Y'all know what to do. Courtney, how are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, two weeks out from the combine. So you're right. The smokescreen season, the reports that come out about teams that may or may not be interested in certain Bears players like it's starting to ramp up like once the Super Bowl passes and this is kind of the quiet week like it doesn't become quiet from it's not quiet for much longer after we get past the Chiefs and their dynasty and all of the talk that comes out of the Super Bowl because the Bears are on the clock and it's an exciting time but it's also a time where you've got to make sure that you know, you sift through all of the information because not everything you hear should be taken as fact. It's just it's so interesting because we're hearing things on both sides. And that's what has Bears fans up in a tizzy, because guess what? If you're a Caleb Williams guy, you're just like, oh, yep, Fields there is over. And if you're a Justin Fields guy, you're like, oh, crazy compensation. Got to take the crazy compensation. Mm-hmm. Shout out Ryan Poles for doing a great job, keeping everybody confused. I've said he's got the cards so close to his eyes that he doesn't even know everything that's going on on the sides. He's just only looking at what he knows is is coming down the pipeline. And he's got the entire draft and the entire NFL world in his grasp. Let's start here, though. Yesterday, we get the report from Brad Biggs basically saying that the Justin Fields experiment has run its course. It has nothing to do with... uh, what they're going to do at the quarterback position, but more so which quarterback they're going to take in this draft. Do you feel like we're at that point where decisions have been made? Ryan Poles knows exactly what he's going to do, and it would take something crazy to knock him off his rocker. Well, you got to think about where we are at the in the offseason. So middle of February, combines two weeks away where all 32 teams are in the same place the game of telephone starts that's where they began their talks last year in earnest about the number one overall pick and then you know however many days 10 days after the combine ends they trade that pick to carolina so the question you ask yourself right now is do the bears know what they're going to do definitively you're not going to get that answer but How can they not have like some idea? Like if they go into this, like, oh man, I still don't know, like trade Justin Fields, keep Caleb Williams. Like you gotta like pull the trigger at some point and you have to be leaning one way or another because otherwise if you wait, and I understand what Ryan Poles has said that he wants to take this all the way up to the draft. That's not realistic when you have to start planning what you're doing in free agency, what your draft plan is. They're in draft meetings right now. So they're setting the board for all the players that will 
you know, who they like, which quarterbacks they like, how they stack those positions, receivers, offensive linemen, edge rusher, like all the positions of need. You have to like be working on that simultaneously while under like while coming up with a decision of this is the path we're going to take because you can go two very stark direction differently direct different directions at quarterback. Like yeah. you can't play it down the middle of like, okay, well, maybe we'll go this way. Maybe no, you have to be leaning one way or the other. They may not put out there which way that they're leaning, but I think it's safe to say at this point, they probably know which direction that they want to go in and are sticking to a plan of what that path is going to yield for them. Now, if some, you know, of course things can change, offers can come in and offer you can't refuse. Like those things are stuff that they have to build out scenarios for. But at this point of the off season, this is where you really start to like put a plan into action earlier, January, early February, while the rest of the, you know, league is still, you know, the playoff teams are still playing makes right. more sense to kind of sit back and like, you know, you you're done with free agent meetings, you're in draft meetings, like do all of those things. But it's like, you have to have a concrete plan of action for what you expect to do starting to take shape because you can't like, again, you just can't play this thing down the middle until like one day, all of a sudden you decide, like you have to be building towards what you believe is your most realistic path. So when that idea comes out and I, I read what I read the report. It's not, I, I wouldn't really consider it a report. I think that the information that came out from the, you know, multiple outlets report, you know, for what the Intel was coming out from senior bowl was that it's the same stuff that we've been reporting for, for months now that yeah. the rest of the league thinks like, how the hell can you not take a quarterback? So yeah. realistically, like are the bears in position to move on from Justin Fields and take Caleb Williams? Yes. But it's kind of the no-brainer stuff that you have to sift through of like, of course you have the number one overall pick. Of course you can't pass up two potential offensive rookies of the year in back-to-back seasons when you just did it last year with C.J. Stroud. So reading the tea leaves, connecting the dots will lead you to that assumption right now until it actually happens, the assumption that the book is closed on Justin Fields. Like that's what that is and that's how yeah. – and why the information's coming out and is um, positioned in the way that it is. Yeah, and I think, listen, Bigsy's not saying anything we haven't heard him say mm-hmm. for probably the last three months. Like, he's been very vocal that he believes that the Bears are going to move on if they do lock up the first overall pick and take just and, and take Caleb Williams at the top of the draft because of timeline and things like that, and not seeing enough from Justin to this point. The, the part that I find interesting is that we hear that report, but then over the weekend, we get Ian Rappaport saying the Bears will only move off of the first overall pick if they get crazy draft compensation. Historic sure. draft compensation is the word that he used for this first overall pick. And again, right, like it, it feels like a report to say words, not to discredit a, anybody in there, but like it's a it's a no shit report. Like, yeah, like of course, but, like. This quarterback <laughs> class is so much better than last year's quarterback class. Of course, it's going to take a ton of draft picks, maybe even a player in there. When you think about what they did last year, yeah. let's call that let's call that five first round picks because yeah. DJ Moore is the equivalent of a first round pick. He had a career year; it couldn't have gone better. Like that was for Bryce freaking Young, man. Like for Caleb Williams, who 
does not have the size concerns and the durability concerns of a 5'11 on a good day quarterback, um, of course that's going to like yield more dra- like more draft compensation, a bigger yeah. haul. And people have been saying this for a while. So like, I understand the timing of that report coming out on Super Bowl Sunday. The fact that a source told NFL Network, like, it has to be. I thought the word was. I, I, I don't have it in front of me. Wasn't it like cra- it'll take crazy compensation? Well, he said in report, he's but, heard from somebody inside Hallis. It would sure. take crazy compensation inside Hallis. Ryan Poles, it, right? It, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it could be polls. It could be Ian Cunningham. It right. Could be Kevin yeah. Warren. Like, of course, we're never going to know exactly. But the significance of that is that it's coming from someone inside Hallis Hall because we had not yeah. heard that at that point, at least like publicly put out. Obviously, people who are sourcing information the way that we report things, some of it may come from inside Hallis Hall. Some of it's coming from around the league. But they specified in that report from someone who's going to be whoever it is part of the decision-making process. Cause if you're speaking on something like that, that's coming from people who are in the know and in the rooms more or less where these decisions are being made. It's significant because it shows you that the bears, at least if this report pans out to be true, that the bears are not thinking of trading the pick. Like that's what the report is positioning itself to say, man, Chicago's taking a quarterback number one. It would be impossible for them to move off this pick unless they get X, Y, Z, which we don't know what crazy compensation is. Is that three future first rounders? Is it the haul that San Francisco gave up to go get Trey Lance? Um, Like, what is it? What is Justin Fields worth at that point too? Like you have to factor all of those things in, but I, I just, I take it as a, okay, that's nothing I didn't already know because anybody who looks at this quarterback class and realizes the teams that need quarterbacks, but also the ones who are super far like down the draft board, the Raiders, the Vikings, teams that would be great, in great position if they got a rookie quarterback, but can they really move up to number one? No, there's only a couple teams that you think could really, unless you're going to mortgage the future of your franchise, that could really do it and not have it affect the next four to five years of your franchise, more or less. And that's Washington and that's New England. I think what's wild about it is, though, right, and when you have the conversation on both sides of this is that that's what we – you we've already heard that you can get more this year than you got last year. Last year was historic. Right? Last year was a historic haul that the Bears got in. So I feel like, yes, you telling me that, and Ian Rappaport telling us that is like, okay, thanks for letting us know what we kind of already knew. Thanks for, like – throwing the smoke up in the air on that side. Big Z's throwing the smoke in the air on the other side. And I don't believe that. I think what a lot of people hear this, and you can speak to it from the reporter side, is that you guys have your opinions and you're putting out there your opinion, not what you're actually hearing. Sure. Big Z's not that kind of like he's putting out what he's hearing. But I think Ian Rappaport's also putting out what he's hearing. Ryan Poles is playing the game the perfect way right now. Yeah. No, I mean, that's. When, when when people look at like what's being said and like where it's coming from, I know that in this city, the conversation of the quarterback is like gonna it just it's dominating the st- like it dominates every topic of conversation on radio, on TV, on podcasts, like whatever it is. like it is the topic. But I always like to say, consider the source. who's putting out that information because yeah. I promise you if it's being, 
you know, we can all opine however we want to, but if you are connected to the team, if you cover the team, what comes across to some people as your opinion on the matter, most times consider the source, consider the people that are putting out that information. If you think it's their opinion, it's probably an opinion that has been influenced by reporting, which is how we have to differentiate someone's like, you know, dead set on keeping Justin Fields. Well, why? Is there a bias? Is there an agenda behind that? Or are you actually hearing that? Or then same thing on the flip side of that with Caleb Williams or any of the draft eligible quarterbacks. Like, consider the source. If you if you do that, like going through the next couple months, your stress level over what this team's going to do, if you are a Bears fan, will be considerably less because you'll be able to sift through what's fact versus what's fiction, and what is probably coming from people who are legitimately in the know versus something that someone's throwing out there to see if it sticks. Like, I'll I'll bring this up one more time. Um, Remember that bullshit report a couple months ago? Like, oh, Jalen Johnson signing a five-year, 95 million, whatever whatever it was. Yo, flooded the timeline. I instantly texted you like, did I miss something? I remember that. I was like... I I didn't say consider the source back then, but I'll say it now. Like that's a prime example of consider where the where's that information coming from? Hmm? Uh, Where's that information coming from? Like that's just the stuff that drives me nuts. My favorite one from this year was when like uh, Peanut Tillman led people rappelling down the side of Hallis Hall. They like kicked in windows and. Kevin Warren was in tears and Matt Eberflus was, was tearing like, sackcloth. It, it was like, wait a minute. Obviously, obviously information like that compared to like what somebody might get on a contract extension, like, you know, there's different degrees of like the sensitivity of information and what yes. misinformation, like how damaging stuff like that can be. Like when everybody has a platform, that's, it's a blessing and a curse. Yes. It, so it's a, the curse part of it being, that it makes the rumor mill and the news cycle, you know, spin that much that much faster um, because you're trying to figure out does this have legs? Can this yeah. actually become something? And so smokescreen seats and like it's it's always a really intriguing time to find out at the combine from the day players get there on Monday all the way through the workouts and the meetings and all of that, like. What's the narrative on Caleb Williams going to be after the week? How, how do those things change? Sometimes it changes. Like, let's use last year for an example. Yeah. Oh, man, Bears at number one. Um, you know, the Monday before the combine, the report is leaked to, or the information's leaked to Adam Schefter. Hey, number one picks for sale. Like, that's obviously coming from inside Hallis Hall. That is a a calculated move by the bears because they're going into a place where 31 other teams are. Hey, if you see me out, if you want to stop by my hotel and have a meeting on this, if you want to like, Hey, the picks are sale, like you're letting people know. Yeah. And that changed, of course, like then, you know, last year at this time we were thinking, okay, well, if they don't trade the pick, they're going to go get Jalen Carter consensus. Number one prospect, obviously that changed because of what happened that week with his arrest and then the arrest warrant, he goes and turns himself in. Then all of a sudden, he's not within the Bears' target. He's not a Bears' target anymore after that, or a realistic one. I know that people, you know, yeah, going yeah. into the draft, like that was still being talked about. But watch how things change after Combine Week. Watch how the conversation may shift to this quarter, like Jaden Daniels. Maybe he, maybe, maybe the quarterback order, like let's say right now, consensus probably is Caleb Williams, Drake, May, Jaden Daniels. 
Might it start to be, because it feels like it's shifting that way, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May. Is there Uh-oh. somebody else that's going to make their way up the fir- you know up the draft board and into that conversation? Is you know same thing with receivers or any any other position for that for that matter? But the 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 point of all of that is that until these teams start meeting with players, the Bears have not met with Caleb Williams one on one yet. Like they will meet with him at the combine the way that they have a ton of other prospect interviews scheduled throughout that week. Yeah. Wait until you start hearing like how they actually view him before you take any information about whether Caleb Williams wants to go to Chicago, what the bears think about him, whatever it is, taking that stuff as fact, wait until you actually until the teams can actually do their due process and go through that in like the very beginning stages of sitting down and getting to know those players. And then of course it doesn't stop at the combine. There's top 30 visits, there's pro days, there's all of those things that factor into private workouts as we saw last year with, you know, um, Darnell Wright, like, you know, they, they really do their research on these guys and that's when the conversation may shift and you'll start seeing how draft boards, at least you go in with them set a certain way, how things may change over then the next eight weeks until we get to the draft. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's, it's so interesting. The one thing I urge people don't, don't mistake people being wrong in the end for false reporting. Because exactly. teams make different decisions. Teams change their minds. Oh, and, and there is a bunch of people that the Bears end up being. I know last year, Bears were linked to a bunch of players. I don't think they came away with any of them. But it's because the price didn't work out. It's not that Ryan Poles didn't talk to these guys. He wanted them. And then he was like, oh, you want how much money? All right, don't worry about that. Yeah, I mean, like, they don't mistake. Because the one thing I saw was like, all of a sudden, right, I think it was uh, Shefty put out the report that the vibe around the NFL is the Bears are moving on. And because, like, people are so tied, and listen, I'm a Justin Fields fan, but they're so tied to Justin Fields, they're like, well, Shefty's been wrong a million times. It's like, all right, guys, like, he's got literally every GM's number in his phone. He picks them up and calls them, like, we're not turning on Shefty here. We're not letting that happen on the show. Like, I mean, like, there's certain people who, yes, they now listen, I mean, I, Mel Kuyper, different situation. Seems like the nicest guy in the world. But Mel's giving his opinion on what teams should do and where teams will go, and he's breaking all of that down. Mel be wrong a lot. I can live with that one. When we start looking at Adam Schefter and we're like, oh, you know, can we really trust this information? Yes, we can trust the information People, Schefter yeah. and Rappaport are putting out. People like have to understand that when you, are in a, when you have a platform like that, you can't you wouldn't go out and just like like the, the thing that came out of Pat McAfee's show, I believe it was Monday when mm-hmm. he said that they're talking about um, quarterbacks that are going to hit, you know, either like maybe released, traded, whatever. Russell Wilson's yeah. name came up. Um, and then he's like, Justin Fields. They're talking, they're talking about Pittsburgh, like because the news came out that they were moving, you know, they, they released Mitchell Trubisky, the only quarterback that's under contract right now for the 2024 season is Kenny Pickett, that they're going to be reworking, redoing their quarterback room. Of course, it's not just going to be Kenny Pickett. They're going to bring somebody else in. And what Schefter said was that, you know, he threw Justin Fields name out there. And then he's like, Mike Tomlin really likes Justin Fields. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact phrasing of it, but he made it a point to say that, like, that's not just a rant. That's not him pulling that out of nowhere. That's sourced reporting that he's putting behind his words. So then, of course, now 
everybody's brain starts spinning. Okay, well, what could they get for a trade from Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh's at 20 right now. They're not really in a position to go move all the way up to the draft board to get one of the top quarterbacks. They've already got Kenny Pickett under contract. Let's see if he can, you know, kind of in the same situation, you kind of bring in the same guy in a way in terms of the passing offense. Granted, their passing oh, offense needs to, needs to improve, but like is bringing Justin Fields in for Pittsburgh, like is that going to is that to push Kenny Pickett? Is that because yeah. they view Kenny Pickett and that experiment is done? Does Arthur Smith, who was linked to Justin Fields when he was still the coach in Atlanta, like is that his is that the guy that he wants to move forward with that he feels like he can build an offense around? It's like all these things you have to like sort through, but it's not it's not by accident that that was put out there that Justin Fields is really well liked by Mike Tom and that he thinks he's yeah. a really talented quarterback, like. That is sourced reporting. That's the sort of thing that you can connect dots to. And now if you type in Justin Fields um, in Pittsburgh, all of those things in your search engine are going to come up with trade scenarios and what this might mean and what Pittsburgh can afford to pay Justin Fields. Because if you're trading for him, you're paying him. Like you're not trading him to like for him, like, you know, giving up what it's probably going to cost to get him into your system and then not pay him. Yeah. It's, trying to make sense of the options and that's what we're doing the next couple of weeks as we either get to a place where the bears are comfortable trading him or if they end up going the opposite direction and keeping justin fields and you know trading number one pick like one of those things is going to happen inevitably and how you get there is like what we're doing right now like going you don't just go from point a to z overnight most times like it it, it takes months and weeks of this stuff happening in order for teams to come to a resolution. But now you're starting to get that, like the, the crumbs are being laid on the trail yeah. and that's how now you have to follow it and see where it goes. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I heard the same thing out of Pittsburgh from some of my people up there that were basically like, listen, like don't be surprised if Pittsburgh's willing to make a move for Justin Fields because of where they sit at 20, you're not getting one of the top guys. You, I don't know. Do you want to wait on Bo Nix? You've kind of, you're kind of doing the experiment of like, we don't know about this guy, but we'll bring him in and give him a shot here. I don't think they'd want to do that at 20, at least with Justin Fields. There's experience there. You've already got your number one wide receiver out in Pittsburgh. You've got your tight end. You've got a running back. You need to add a little bit to that offensive line. But there's some sense of stability there. That's a situation where you could bring Justin Fields in and feel like you didn't get terrible value. Uh, uh, if you it, traded something away. And I think to me, right, we keep hearing first-round pick action, first-round picks. I'm like, th that's the only first-round pick to me that makes sense. And when Schefter went on Waddle and Sylvie last week and said that he felt that the Bears could definitely get a first-round pick for Justin Fields, again, that's sourced reporting. That's talking, yeah. that's taking the temperature of teams around the league and figuring out, okay, what is realistic draft compensation? Jeremy Fowler and I went through this exercise when we wrote our piece on Justin Fields and the Bears quarterback conundrum going into week 18. And we couldn't pin down anybody on a consensus pick that we felt that, that they felt Justin Fields would be worth. Like it was anywhere from like a second to a third, maybe, you know, like a third and a fourth rounder or one second round, like whatever it is. Like, and that's, like I, I have a story coming out. It's probably gonna run next week. Like I've gone, like Field Yates and I did a bunch of trade scenarios as it pertains to Justin Fields, and I'll read some of them to you because these are not like it's the teams that make sense. You have to take a look at what teams compensation like abilities are. Like if yes. the reports that come out, like 
crazy, historic, whatever their other adjective you want to use to describe the haul that the Bears could get. Well, who's in the best position to do that? Washington's a team that has a lot of extra draft capital because they parted ways with Montez Sweat and Chase Young at the trade deadline. Atlanta, in a need for a quarterback, could they trade the 43rd overall pick uh, to Chicago to go landfields, potentially? Like, there's there's so many of the New England. Um, the teams at the tra- top of the draft board make sense, but then there's also going to be the teams, you know, later on, the Raiders. I mean, I, I know that that's not going to make sense right now because of Luke Getze being there, but, like, yeah. you think about the teams that are outside of striking distance to go get a, a draft-eligible quarterback, like one of the best ones. You think, okay, Raiders need a quarterback. They're at 13. The Vikings are, you know, they, you know, early, they're earlier than they've drafted in a, in a long time. Like, can they move up? No, they're probably in the need for, um, you know, a, not saying Justin Fields necessarily, but somebody like that, the bridge quarterback, somebody who could potentially develop into a long-term starter. And then, of course, Pittsburgh at 20, they're in a better position to go get somebody who has the experience to put into an offense that's brand new after years of this offense, like just not being able to get off the ground with their previous staff. Like they have to do something that is more of a quick fix than a project. Not saying that this would necessarily be a quick fix, but something that has at least a quicker outcome to what they want versus then like, you know, getting that quarterback in the draft at 20 or trying to move up a couple spots. Cause I don't think that that would yield something quick enough for, you know, a team that has a lot of questions around it. Ton of questions, ton of questions. And I think that's, that's the interesting part about this, right? It's almost like, this is almost the, the game of desperation at this point, right? Because when I look at the draft right now, and I look at a lot of the teams that are in there, it's like, okay, which team is going to be what the Bears were when they unfortunately took Mitchell Trubisky, right? Which team is the team that's desperate to get it back right quickly? Is that the Patriots? Is that Washington? I know um, Washington is is now putting out there a little bit that they don't want to go and pay the price that is going to be. But I know they want Caleb Williams, but they don't want to pay the price it's going to cost to get the first overall pick. What does that do now to the draft order? Who's going to try to move up? Like, who's the team that is desperate to get successful quickly? The name that continues to pop up to me, I believe, is the Atlanta Falcons. And that's why I think they would give up more, right? You might be able to get more draft capital, of course, for Justin Fields um, in this situation, trading for Fields, because they want to have similar to the conversation we're having about Washington. What do Jersey sales do? This is still a business at the end of the day. What do Jersey sales do? If you bring the Georgia kid back home and he's the starting quarterback, people in Atlanta want Justin Fields there. They see what he can do with B. John Robinson. You're going to have a quarterback finally with Kyle Pitts, right? Mm -hmm. Are they the team now that maybe is more desperate and says, we'll give you a little bit more than maybe we wanted to give you because Mm -hmm. we know what bringing Justin Fields home is going to bring. And moving up from number eight to number one is a massive cost, one that they probably can't afford to do. So if you bring Justin Fields into the mix, that's why I threw out like in the story that we're right, that we're publishing next week, like the number 43 pick was the compensation in exchange for Justin Fields. That was the scenario that I had to weigh one way or the other. Do you accept the offer? Do you not accept the offer? Um, like they have his contract through at least 2025. Like he has that fifth year option. And there's all of those weapons that make putting Justin Fields in the mix very compelling. And the whole idea in Chicago, 
another weapon, another offensive lineman, another thing. Then Justin Fields yeah. will take off. Like Atlanta can actually play that out because they're closer to that than where the Bears are currently yeah. in terms of, you know, the spend and what they what else they need to do. Like, you know, Raheem Morris, the ties there, we hear that he really likes Justin Fields as a quarterback. So you can start drawing those conclusions and it it just makes it, it makes more sense for them to go after a Fields than go from eight to one, knowing that that's mortgaging your future. And if you don't have a quarterback that ex- succeeds right away, and I don't know if they, you know, if they drafted Caleb Williams, if you put him in that offense, um, does he succeed right away? Potentially, but at what cost? At what cost towards the future? Because you're going to start yeah. having to pay guys eventually when you've got the Kyle Pitts, the Des- the um, Bijan Robinsons, all of those. Um, uh, Drake London, like all of the all of the players in their offense that, you know, if you want to try to capitalize on it in the shorter term, trading for a Justin Fields. And of course, we've talked about this. Every every team thinks that they can be the one to fix the quarterback who didn't succeed in one Add spot. in not, the egos. <laughs> yeah, not, not just the quarterback. Like it could be any position. But that plays in, I think, too, where, you know, why he's been linked to Atlanta since you know, the previous coaching staff was there that they have a desperate need for the quarterback. They tried to go, they tried to make the position work uh, by going to, you know, draft Desmond Ritter. That obviously didn't work out. They had a couple bridge guys in there, whether it was Marcus Mariota, whether it was Taylor, he- Taylor Heineke, that doesn't work. They want somebody with like legitimate starting experience, a 38 game sample size. It's no slouch. Um, and the, the fit uh, of, of what it is offensively in a system that is not all not going to be all too different the new offense in Atlanta uh, with how Raheem Morris has structured his staff like how it's not going to be all that different from what he was in they find the path to success quicker than in in more cost effective let's put it that way than going the other way of going from eight to one we'll see it's going to be a long off season hopefully. We get some 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 comfort here, Bears fans. I know there's a, there's a lot of war happening out here with the the field side, the Williams side. And it's like I've kind we just of taken be- a break from it for the last couple of weeks. I obviously yeah. know it still exists, but it's it's like I I think in these last couple of weeks, like I've just kind of I don't know, maybe I've just gotten better at tuning it out. Yeah. Um, maybe it hasn't died down, but it's like, we've talked about this and talked about this and talked about this where at some point it kind of like, it's kind of like noise drowning out. Now, some people want to reignite it um, by doing, you know, performative acts, like wearing a a Caleb Williams bears Jersey on radio. Like if you want to do that, like that's fine. But like, you know, for those of us who are in the trenches on this every single day, like you gotta maintain your sanity, and I think it's a certain point. The conversation, like, all right, we've already talked about this. What more is there to talk about until we actually see something happen? Until we actually have something a little bit more concrete than what we have right now. That was craziness yesterday. There are elite levels of uh, um, trolling. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was insane activity yesterday. Like a Williams jersey. With, with, with where'd you get the 13? Was that a Tyler Scott jersey already pre-made that you just like took Scott off the back and put Williams over? That was that was craziness yesterday. It's you can tell we're at that point. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you, I think it's insane to me 
to have that level of confidence in anybody from college coming to the pros. And I said this, I said this with J-Mac. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, but the greatest college quarterback of all time to me is Tim Tebow. He could not throw 15 yards in the NFL. Like, legit, he couldn't throw the football in the NFL. And all of those Broncos sales that went on for his jersey before, like, he, like, even really got to play. Like, I get it. I, I, I get what Caleb should be. I get what we want Caleb to be. But there was no easier pick in the world than Tim Tebow. He's literally the greatest thing we've ever seen on a college football field from the quarterback position. And he sucked. He was so bad. At one point, he wanted to come back. I was like, I'll be a tight end. Like, guys, this shit, that that level of, I didn't feel this confident about Justin Fields coming into the NFL, and I thought he would be playing. Like, it, it's right for your guy, I guess. I don't know what's going on out here, but uh, let's talk about some people who are actually in the NFL, somebody who uh, could be linked to the Chicago Bears, Jeremy Fowler, talked about over the weekend, Daniil Hunter being an actual option for the Bears and somebody who the Bears are very high on, what would it take to get Daniil Hunter in a Bears jersey? And is that a move that you could see Ryan Poles actually going out and make? So he had a great year. I mean, like I covered Daniil in Minnesota and I was there with him 2017 through 2021. So I saw him become the fastest to 50 sacks in the NFL, like in NFL history. Yeah. I also saw the pectoral injury. I saw the neck injury, which was the craziest freak thing that happened during the COVID training camp. Like I've seen the best of Daniil Hunter. I've also seen Daniil Hunter limited by things that are kind of out of his control. He's 29 years old. So when you think about pass rushers, edge rushers, you know, specifically guys who are about to hit their hit their stride, hit their prime, like he, he's there. He's there. Yeah. And coming off back-to-back ten-and-a-half sack seasons in two drastically different defenses. Like, because in 2022, they moved him to, like, you know, outside linebacker because it was a 3-4, and he's standing up rushing the passer versus, yeah. you know, this last year. And Brian Flores' defense, um, you can't, like, put a label on it. It's so creative. It's so exotic. They rush, like, all these weird different ways that are so unconventional. Like, he had another incredible year. Like you're getting somebody, and if you think you're pairing him with Montez Sweat, if you need somebody else on the other side of the defensive line to, you know, collapse the pocket the way that they were hoping they'd be able to do, keeping Yannick and Gakwe healthy, is a Daniil Hunter worth that price tag? If it's twenty million dollars a year, that's a pretty steep price tag. They just paid Montez Sweat twenty five and a half million dollars a year. Um, but how they prioritize what they want to do in free agency. Like, of course, you're factoring in what are they doing with Jalen Johnson first and foremost. Like, I could definitely see Daniil Hunter being at the top of that list because, as we know, and what we've heard from, like, the coaches themselves, like, pressuring the quarterback, like, that finally came on when Montez Sweat got here. How can they continue that? How can they make sure that doesn't have a drop-off next season? And that, if you can, if, if the top edge rusher, or one of the top edge rushers in free agency is available coming off an awesome year again, um, then of course you want to pursue that. But, you know, with the needs that they have up front, um, 
and I know that like, yeah, Chris Jones may not be available. I know he's technically a pending free agent, but it's like, all right, if you're Kansas City and you saw like how he like the, the, the 49ers, changed over time. The the 49ers averaged two yards less per play when the Chiefs were getting pressure on the interior. Who the hell was getting that pressure on the interior? Who stopped that third and four? That's Chris Jones. Like You'd be nuts if you don't pay him whatever he wants after the year of his, you know, his holdout. And then you saw what happened. He wasn't there. Well, he, you know, he was back with the team, but he wasn't playing in that opener against the Lions. Like he, he, His importance cannot be overstated. But if they, like, I don't see them being able to pay for a three technique and an edge rusher. So it's one or right. the other. Which one are they going to prioritize? And if they prioritize Daniel Hunter, no one would be mad at that because of how dominant he's been and pairing him with Montez Sweat could be the formula to having, you know, a, a top five defense and being able to go from second lowest sacks, uh, second lowest sack output in 2023 to maybe the second most, um, or at least, you know, like a top five unit up front. Yeah. I mean, like, and at that point, right. I feel like still have to prioritize the three technique, but you also have to allow for development. Yeah. Javon Dexter's and, a second round pick last year. You're not just going to say he sucks. Let's get him out of here. Like he's, he's he not. got better toward the end of the year, developed. You add pressure on the edges. That makes his life a lot easier. And that could be a path that they want to go uh, if they decide that the dollars in free agency are going to be allocated towards uh, a defensive end. Because don't forget, Eric Washington, their defensive coordinator, like he's a defensive line guy that is what he is known for you don't bring somebody like that in without the thought that hey you just spent a second and a third round pick on two defensive tackles that you don't have the coach then to develop those two guys um obviously travis smith is still in the mix here but like having you know eric washington that's gonna be a primary part of his job as the defensive coordinator bringing those guys along it it doesn't by any stretch like i I will say this because i think People think when you say, oh, Chris Jones, Justin Matabike, like all of these defensive tackles, Christian Wilkins, that doesn't mean that you're giving up on the guys on the that you drafted. It just means that you find a more immediate fix for arguably the second most important position in Matt Eberflus's defense. Some will say in, the, in, in that defense, that's the most important. It, like you could prioritize it. Like 1A could be three technique, 1B could be corner two could be weak side linebacker or right. excuse me, off ball linebacker. Like you can't overstate the importance of a three technique. And if one becomes available in free agency, no matter who you have on your roster, like if you feel like you can immediately upgrade that position, you do it. But I, the needs up front, like just because they got one really good pass rusher in here last year, doesn't mean that it's all fine and dandy. Like they need to have a complimentary piece um, or just as you know, just as dominant a piece as Montez Sweat on the other side to complete that unit to make sure that they can pick up where they left off last year. Because that, as we saw, that affected everything on defense. That's part of the reason why they were able to go from where they were uh, with takeaways to you know tied for the lead in interceptions by the time the season was over because of the pressure they were getting up front to help the guys in the back end. And this still goes into, right, The it does go back to the quarterback conversation because there's a difference in two years if you got to pay Justin Jones, or Justin Jones, if you got to pay Daniil Hunter and Justin Fields, mm-hmm. or if you got to pay Daniil Hunter and Caleb Williams, who, yes, as a first-round pick, 
I, I don't know if people realize it. He makes more than Justin next year, basically. He's the first overall pick. First I believe overall, he'll make. And the guarantees that he'll have on his contract. He'll make more week. money than Justin Fields will next year, which is insane to say. But in two years, you're still paying him at that lower rate, which allows you to do more on defense. You got to pay Jalen Johnson. I would assume they're not letting him walk out the door. Uh, you got to pay, if you're going to bring in Daniil Hunter, you got to pay Daniil Hunter. You got, you've got Montez under for $25 million. You're now investing, yet again, Bears style, your money on the money defensive on side. Yeah. You got to go young offensively, but this is the draft where you get that opportunity to kind of do that because there is the Caleb Williams, there is the MHJ, there is the Romo Dunze, where you can say, we can see where we can upgrade our offense with younger pieces that are cost controllable. And so for the next two, three years, we can pay more money on defense. And guess what's going to happen? Eventually, you're going to have to start letting pieces go and invest more in the offense. The ebbs and flows of what we just saw in the Super Bowl. This is the first year where we didn't look at the offense and go, elite offense from the Kansas City Chiefs. The defense did the work, and yes, the offense finished it off. But you have to go through those ebbs and flows when you're a good team because football is football destroys people's bodies. Like you're not going to have 10 year long defenses with the same names all the time anymore. Sure. And I, I saw the argument that somebody made well, as a former GM on Twitter today that the chiefs are the example of not overpaying for receivers. Well, it's because Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. Like that's not going to change the strategy yeah. of most teams. It shouldn't sh- didn't change the strategy for the Bears. Like then it should not going forward. It 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 like their their identity, they're the outliers. So it doesn't yeah, matter necessarily like what the, the Chiefs aren't gonna set the bar for like teams all of a sudden are not gonna pay receivers anymore. It's not gonna be like 2021 and 2022 free agency where none of the guys hit free agency because everybody's you know either trading for them or extending them extensions, whatever. Like the ebbs and flows here, and it all circles back to the quarterback conversation about. At this point, February 13th, do the Bears know which direction that they're going to go, why they're probably leaning one way or the other, because it's all about cap planning. Cap planning is a two to three year out process. And you think about, all right, who do we have to pay if we bring Daniel Hunter in here? Okay, when are we paying him again? What does his contract situation look like? What about some of the younger guys? How does that affect the quarterback? Well, if Justin Fields is on the roster, you're paying him sooner rather than you get sooner before you those guys hit the time that they have to get paid. And it's even... You even have longer of a leash if you get Caleb Williams or another young quarterback via the draft in here versus the it's all finances and trying to fit it in this puzzle um, that really, I think, play a big role in trying to make this puzzle piece work because it's very difficult. Like We can have our matrix of scenarios of guys that they can bring in in free agency, how much they're going to pay, what the salary cap space looks like right now. And what that does for like the other side of the ball for thinking defensive free agents, but it all ha- you can't pay everyone. That's the that's the bottom line of all of this. You cannot pay everyone, and if you stay on a certain trajectory where you're focusing your resources on on one side of the ball, not to say the other side's going to take a hit, but it just means that you have to plan differently for how you're going to allocate funds and when you're going to pay guys and how yeah. you plan to. You know, before before even knowing if some of these players are going to develop and you know get you're going to get your return on investment. No, for sure, it's it's 
It's one of those situations for the Bears now where if you do decide to go, and here's here's the part I love. There's a path on both sides. There's a path to success to me on both sides, okay? You keep Justin Fields. All right, that means go get Marvin Harrison Jr. You got a young, controllable wide receiver. You got to go get the, you got to invest now on the offensive side of the ball. That means you're getting less on the defensive side. That means you need your young guys that you've drafted to develop on the defensive side. You need Javon Dexter to be good. You need Zach Pickens to be be good. You need Tyreek Stevenson to continue to get better, right? Because you're not investing as much money on that side. You don't need to at the moment. When you have young players who are performing and developing, like the whole argument about the quarterback position is drafting. Like That's why the Caleb Williams thing since the beginning of last season came up. Like You reset the clock. You give yourself the flexibility to spend somewhere else and try to win with a rookie quarterback on his rookie deal because that's the most cost-effective way to do it. That's the way that the Kansas City Chiefs did, you know, early on with Mahomes before they signed him to that $500 million contract. Like, it's it's the same thing that the 49ers are going to do with Brock Purdy right now. They don't have to pay him next year. So they can still try to compete, try to, like, pay guys elsewhere to get the best roster you can because you have, you know, arguably the most impactful position. That guy's still on his rookie deal. Like, that's what feeds into, like, the Bears can play out that same co- conversation because it very well could be their reality if they go and get, you know, reset the mark, reset the clock at the quarterback position and then have yeah. that money to go pay both sides, guys on both sides of the ball. For sure. It's going to be a DJ long Moore's going to need a contract extension at some point soon. Not right now. This is not a, this is not a today problem. This is a, you know, next off season, mid season this yeah. year, which they, you know, that that's something else they got to start thinking about too. Well, and that's, that's the thing, right? That's why you want to get this right because you've got, really, really good players that are on this team that are veterans, you want them to want to be here. Mm-hmm. When contracts start coming up, you want them to be like, oh, yeah, we got to get a deal done. The one thing I love about Jalen Johnson is Jalen Johnson's like, no, like, I want to be a bear. Like, I want to be here. I see what we're building. The defense is working out. Things are as they were said they were going to be. Let's get a contract done. You don't have that if on one side of the ball you're just – right, like – I guess no slight to, to some of our guests on the show, but the offense is on that that 06 team were not good. And mm-hmm. so you weren't going to get good receivers that wanted to come here all the time. You weren't going to get good uh, uh, offensive linemen that were like, yeah, I want to sign up there because there just wasn't an offense that was built here. Yeah, and that's – they you like I was of the personal belief, and I still am, that the day they traded Khalil Mack, kind of signified that everything was going to be built around what they do offensively now, that they were going to try to do things differently here. And that's not to say they don't want to spend on defense and they won't spend on defense, but as you've seen, the most successful teams in the NFL are built around quarterback play. Until they get that part right, like you can't keep, you can't not keep trying to like do that. And so it, it, it goes completely against in a lot of ways the way that teams have been constructed in Chicago in the past. Well, and I think, but I, I even to that though, right? When we look at the end of the day for the Super Bowl, two of the best defenses there. Like the yeah, the part course. where a lot a lot of teams I feel have gone to the point where it's like we can neglect defense because we're investing so much in our offense. Those high powered offenses more times than not get stopped by the best defenses in the world. 
Yeah, I mean, even when we think of Miami Dolphins, like yeah, that's you know well, part of it, and obviously, like they had a good, I mean, injuries and things like that affected what they did defensively yeah. this past year. I don't think they were expecting Jalen Ramsey to go down when he did, and um, but it's, I know it sounds cliche, but like finding that happy medium, like you're right, like the chief, but the Chiefs' defense this year carried them to the Super Bowl. You still had an elite quarterback paired with a great defense and a so-so offense. Yeah. Like that's such a hard formula to like actually see through. Like you can think about it in theory and think, oh, if we can just do it that way, then we can be on the same trajectory. Thinking it and actually like seeing that in action are are two very different things. And you know, the 49ers, we can have tons of star players on offense and a great defense too, even though like this defense this this year was, you know, took a step back from where it was under D'Amico Ryan's in, in several categories. Like because they're able to do that because they have a quarterback on a on a rookie deal who is inexpensive right now. We don't have to pay him, and he can do what he's required to do in this offense. So I think there's a lot of that, but it's it's not to say that you know if the Bears in the situation that they're in right now, with the number one overall pick with the spending that the, the cap space that they have, the financial flexibility that they can, you know, if they're going to go all in on offense, for example, that they would ever yeah. neglect the defensive side of the ball. You just can't do that. Like you have yeah. to be able to spend on both sides. And last year should be a microcosm for showing what the bear they, they spent on both sides. Like they traded the pick, they got DJ Moore in a trade. Um, and then they go went and spent big on a defensive end who changed the trajectory of the defense. Now what they do in the coming weeks with Jalen Johnson and free agency, we'll see which direction they go. Yeah, we'll see what this team does. It's going to be, like I said, an exciting offseason. We're all waiting for the combine now. That's the next big news day. I'm sure we'll have 17 more rumors uh, <laughs> all the way through there. We'll have a million mock drafts. People will have us trading all the way down to the 2029 pick somehow. Like It's going to get crazy out here, but we'll be here to cover all of it on the Chicago Bears podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Shout out Courtney Cronin. Coming through. Always dropping knowledge. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. It's your boy, Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Peace.